but they're hard to ignore every week, but I don't know why, because they're shite. Welcome back to Jordan's FPL. I am Dan. I'm one half of Jordan's FPL. And after a few weeks off, we've dusted off the headphones and I'm back again with the other half of Jordan's FPL, Stephen. Stephen, how are you, mate? I'm not bad. It's been a long time coming, getting the pod back on the go. But yeah, I lost a bit of interest over the last couple of weeks with the international break. How are you doing? I'm good, mate, but I don't blame you. That was that blank game week. We haven't recorded since before that. So blank game week. International break. There wasn't a great deal to really talk about, but there certainly is now, mate, and that's why we are back on the airwaves. Yeah, it's a business end of the season, squeaky bum time, some may say. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there is a lot going on, and I'd imagine there's quite a lot going on in the listeners' mini leagues. Just out of curiosity, Stephen, if you were in a position now where you were close to the top of the mini leagues and whatnot, do you then, like during the season, of course, you just want to finish as high as you can in, in, in the overall rank? But at what point during the season, is it around about now where you start just concentrating on beating your mini-league rivals or has that happened way in advance now? I would say definitely now you need to focus on it a lot more and plan your game weeks a bit more thoroughly. I think at the at the beginning of FPL, you're just looking to um, take a few punts here and there and um, see how you end up. And then obviously once it gets to the business end of the season, this is when you really need to knuckle down and try and try and improve and carry on going in your mini leagues. Yeah, I think get to about I would say it's usually about game week thirty two where you then start looking at your mini league rivals, transfers in, sort of how you can caveat that with your transfer without copying in. It all gets a little bit a little bit political and there's some arguments in the group chats coming up, no doubt. Um Game week 31 is currently ongoing. We are recording whilst the Crystal Palace Arsenal game is going on. And I believe that Mateta has just put Palace 1-0 ahead, which is not good for anyone with any Arsenal defensive assets, including me. Um, and obviously a massive thriller of a game ever in Burnley, which I'm not sure how many people have assets from, but that is still yet to play on Wednesday. So disregarding those, Stephen... How are you doing so far? How many points are currently on that board? I've got 44 points at the moment, but I did take a minus four, so that'll come down to 40. However, I have got a few players on the bench that are going to come on um, in Doherty and Broyer. So that's 16 points in total to come into the team. The returnees this week, we've got Son with 12 points, Watkins with nine points, um, Cancelo and Sanchez with six, and then Doherty with a 14-pointer. That's not bad going as well. And considering your bench was all mismatched and you couldn't have players coming in, you couldn't have Bowen coming in, because you wouldn't have had enough defenders on the pitch, so you were absolutely devastated that Doherty was going to have to come in. But then 14-pointer, he's better at Bowen by a point as well, mate. That's it. I'm really happy with it, but still somehow ended up with a bit of a bench nightmare, not having Bowen in the team. But I wasn't yeah. sure whether he was going to start or not. Yeah, that was always going to be a funny one. I had him first on my bench as well, and he'll come on for me, for Trent Alexander-Arnold. So I was really thinking, I mean, looking at some of the pressers, I was thinking that Bowen would probably, if he was going to play, wasn't going to get a full a full 90, which I wouldn't have expected anyway, so it was probably worth putting on the bench. 
in probably I was probably expecting him just to get half an hour or something as well, depending on how the game was going. But mm. for Trent not to come on and Bones coming in for me, um, I'm currently on 35 points, which isn't great. Um, my returners are Cancelo, Rudiger. I went out the box a little bit and I thought I'd go Kane captain, but of course he couldn't score one, even though the team scored five. So the Kane captaincy over Salah hasn't really proved to be a great deal better. Um, Richarlison with an assist. I brought him in this week for Chris Wood. And I've got Bowen coming off my bench. So once Bowen's off the bench, I'll be on 48. And I didn't take any minus points this week. So that gives us a game week rank at the moment of 5.2 million. So yeah, flying, mate. Transfer success this week, Dan. Yes, very much so. Um, Chris Wood out. He got a two-pointer, I believe. Might have even been a one-pointer, to be honest. Richarlison in. Um, obviously, that was just for this double game week. I think anything that I got out of the West Ham game was just a bonus. So, to come out with an assist isn't bad. And, of course, Burnley left to play. So, it's, uh, it's early days to say whether it was a transfer success or not. But, um, yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm, with my plan down the line, he won't be staying in the team for very long anyways. Yeah. No transfers this week, mate? Yeah, I'm happy with them as well. Um, I brought Weghorst in for Jimenez, so that's a one-point differential at the minute. But <laughs> they have got Everton left to play at home, so fancy them, fancy them to bag one there. And then I brought Son in for Kulisevsky. I think Kulisevsky ended up with six points. Um, Son with 12, so um, six points to the good there as well. Yeah, definitely worth taking them hits this weekend. As I say, you, you, I know your strategy, you know my strategy, and we'll get onto it. So taking those hits to get those early, well, just get those instant returns really is definitely a good option at the moment, I think. I just wish I captained him. I was thinking of captain Son, but when you've got Salah in your team, you feel daft not to put him as captain, especially against Watford at home, regardless of how many minutes you think he's going to get against them, you were always thinking he was going to score. Yeah, and I was watching that game on Saturday afternoon with me, my hand over my face, just hoping for the worst. And then, obviously, he got taken off. I was buzzing, and then they got a penalty, so I was even more buzzing, which sounds ridiculous to say, as I am a seller owner. But, obviously, a non-captain, I would have been well behind because, I mean, if you've got him this week, they're probably 80% of the game captained him. Yeah, just a little bit of a live update. 2-0 Palace. Oh, that's excellent. Are you? I'm glad I haven't got any Arsenal players. Boss, sack around my team. Are you glad you don't have any Arsenal players? I am. right we'll move on from the shit puns and we'll move on to (laughs) chip strategy mate because as you've mentioned we are well and truly at the business end of the season there's plenty of different combinations of the hits and the the free hits and the wild cards and the bench boosts that people have got left but which combination are you going for well to start off with tell the listeners what chips you do have remaining so i've got a wild card a free hit and a bench boost left in check. I think, as we always state with the chips, it is totally team dependent. But personally, for me, I'm looking at free hit in the 33, wild card in 34, and then bench boost in 36. 33, I'm choosing the free hit because there's some decent double game weeks in there. But a lot of them, the ones that do have a double in that week, aren't ones you'd like to hold on to long term. Like, I don't really want. Man United players long term, but they have got Norwich at home as part of that double game week, so it's probably going to be nice to move on to some of their assets just for that one. And then the wild card in 34 is going to be used because there's a good change in fixtures for Liverpool, Man City, 
even Villa and Leicester have some good fixtures after that point. So that's why I'm looking to do that. And bench boosting 36 is just going to be because it's the biggest double game week of the season and you can try and maximise the amount of fixtures that you've got in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, I know. And to be honest with you, I know you've just rattled on there for about a minute and a half, but you've <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. It's exactly that. There's players that have got nice doubles that you aren't going to want to hold through from 34 to 38. You've mentioned the big double in 36. Um, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm free hitting 33. I may hold the wild card to 35 instead of 34, dependent on how my team is looking at that time. Um, but also a little bit because I'm not sure when we're going to get news of potential doubles for 37 because there's some rumours that some of the doubles we're expecting at 36 could be in 37 so if we haven't got the information by 34 it might be worth holding that wild card at 35 I mean it does seem stupid that you get two wild cards all season and we're potentially using them in the last four game weeks of the season mm. but that's that's strategy that's that's why we're, we think about FPL quite often we know we're planning ahead and that's if we had a usable wild card early on in the season, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to make maximum gains from both the double game weeks that were coming up. And obviously, we're in the community. We often go on Twitter to have a look to see what's going on, or we'll have a little bit of research ourselves. And we knew this was coming. We've told the listeners this was coming. So this is where the casual sort of misses out, or somebody who's not as engaged as we are. Um, but it all proves at the end of the season when people who are looking into the games and looking into the fixtures and forms and whatnot, as we do, do usually end up on top and have a strong end of the season because of that. Yeah, definitely. Here's a question for you. How long would you say a wild card is useful for? Like how many game weeks? Well, if I have to look at it how I look at it at the start of the season, I usually plan my team. Obviously, some big hitters that you know are going to do well regardless, like your Salas or your Trent or something like that. Yeah. But I always have a look at the first six. Mm. I know some people look at the first four. But I think if I look at the first six, then you can be a bit more realistic with who you're transferring in, who you're transferring out, and you give yourself a little bit more flexibility. But yeah. then, of course, with a wild card, you know, you're mid-season, so you're getting late news and whatnot, whereas towards the start of the season, you know, everybody who's fit, everyone who's back, all the information just seems to have been there for a lot longer, so you can plan it a lot better. Yeah. Wild card during the season is a little bit more tricky, but it's fun. Yeah, definitely. I think you'd like to see again in the following five game weeks after a wild card. I think after five to six game weeks, you can't really plan that far ahead with the wild card, can you? So after that yeah. point, anything can change. Yeah, and it's a funny one as well because I'll, I mean, we've talked about in the pod before about a good friend of ours who will be listening who accidentally took a minus 32 instead of pressing <laughs> the wild card button. Now, of course, that is devastating at the time. But he's still up but there. Then you, well, one is still up there, but then again, you can caveat that and say he's had an extra wild card. Mm. But then it's like, actually, over that time, I mean, we'll never be able to gauge it because of the transfers he might have made and whatnot. But that gain could well have been 60 points or 70 points. So you don't know if it's actually worth it at the time. And there's not really a proper way to gauge how many points a wild card's worth. And that's true. And that's why it's all open to interpretation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've talked before, we can look at, we can see how to bench boost, right, okay, well, if each of my benched players have double game weeks, they'll be getting, in all blank, you'll be getting a minimum of 16, so you think, well, okay, anything more than 16 for a bench boost is good. Mm -hmm. We've talked about free hits before, we want more than 25 points out of a free hit. You can't really have that for a wild card, which makes it such a 
It's gray area. A ship to have, yeah, yeah. gray area, because you don't really know where you, you might not make immediate games, but in the third game week, when you've made a couple of transfers, you might have made a forty-point gain. So it's a, it's a funny one, and that's why using it at the end of the season is always a bit more. You don't really know how to go about it because those gains are going to have to come in a very short period of time. Yeah, definitely. And do you think with the strategy that you've mentioned mentioned so far with your your chips, um, could anything change that? I know there has been some games announced at six o'clock this evening for game week thirty six and thirty seven. I think there is a few more doubles in thirty seven than we expected. Would anything knock you off the way that you plan to do it at the moment? I think it's all going to be dependent on what my wild card looks like. I, mm. I've thought in my head for so long now that my bench boot is going to be 36. But if it works out better for fixtures and whatnot, that my bench boot is 37. I've, I've got no problems changing from 36 to 37, depending mm. on how I feel the wild card looking at. And if I leave it a week later, you might might have more news about injuries and things like that. So keeping... If I am thinking about bench boosting 37, I'll probably like it a wild card in 35, just so I've got an extra week of players not being able to get injured or ill, or because there's a lot of COVID going around again, so you just don't know what's happening. Yeah, so that's what talk about chips. Let's move on to the game week 32 preview. Um, this game week is going to be off the back of some major European football fixtures with Liverpool, Man City. Chelsea, West Ham and Leicester all featuring. So you bet we've got to be very mindful of rotation. The first game we'll talk about is Man City versus Liverpool, which in terms of the league is going to be a massive game. Um, Looking at the last five fixtures between the two teams, they drew 2-2 earlier on in the season, then 4-1 City last season, 1-1 before that, 4-0 City prior to that and then 3-1 3-1 Liverpool a couple of seasons ago. How do we see this game going? Well, now you've just mentioned that, it's going to be a nil-nil, isn't it? <laughs> I bloody hope not. It's Super Sunday. No, but you, you wouldn't be too surprised if both managers... I mean, yes, they've had those games before, but I can't remember any of those games being as such a, a, such a potential game. title decider. Aye, there's always the goals. Years. Yeah, there's always goals. How do we see it going? It's going to be tight. I would not be surprised if it was a draw. And to be honest, I think it would be quite nice if it was a draw because it just potentially takes that that run for the title all the way to the last game of the season. And I mean, it, this season's been great at the top, but to keep it going for as long as possible is always good for the neutral. Yeah, definitely. I think out of any game that you watch in world football, like Man City versus Liverpool, is the highest standard, the highest calibre of game right now, and it has been for about two or three seasons as well. I think not even just the highest calibre, because a lot of people, because that's not a direct rivalry and everyone's saying, well, you know, you've got Rimmage and Barcelona where there's been a rivalry there for years. Liverpool and Man City don't have the history, but if you're looking for quality of player on the pitch, well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's sort of building up a rivalry just because of the quality of the the match. Let's just say, and the fact that they're always the two that are challenging at the top of the the table. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, little caveat to that. Um, who's winning the title out of those two? I'm sticking with Man City still. I said them at the start of the season. Um, I still think they're strong enough to get at least a draw when they play Liverpool on Sunday, and I think that'll just be the deciding factor on them going on another run to the end of the season where they win every other game. And if Liverpool win, would that change your mind at all? Definitely. If Liverpool manage to beat Man City, the fact that City in the Champions League will potentially play Chelsea in the next round if they beat 
Atletico, that's going to be a massive game, and that'll take a lot of that'll take a lot of um, energy out of them. I would say if they do end up playing Chelsea in the semi-finals. It's going to be a very, very tough one. So what you're saying now to the listeners is whoever wins this game on Sunday afternoon is going to win the title. Yes, but if they do draw, I do think City will win it. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the title? Yeah, I think it's City. I just think City have just got the they've got the depth of squad. I mean, yes, Liverpool have improved amongst the front three, but let's be honest, that's probably the area that they didn't need to improve on in terms of like longevity at the back. Um. You've got Gomez. Yes, he had a good game and he even got an assist for Jota, but I just can't see... If anything else goes wrong towards the end of the season, which it could well do if they're going for the Champions League as well, there's just not the strength and depth that we see that Man City have got. I mean, look, at they've got £100 million signing Grealish. He can't get in the game whatsoever. It just shows the class that they have. And they're a class above, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Van Dijk is crucial to Liverpool. If he, if he gets an injury out of anyone they would really struggle between now and the end of the season. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. But we'll revert this back to FPL, mate. So, obviously, I'm going to guess most people have got two, three, four potentially players from Man City and Liverpool combined. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a case for benching any? I think we have had this conversation earlier on in the season when they played each other last time. And I still think if you've got a City or Liverpool player... You're going to play them, regardless of the fact that they're likely not to get a clean sheet. I don't think Liverpool or City will get a clean sheet on Sunday, but I'm still going to play Chancelo and Trent just because of their potential for attacking returns. Obviously, Salah's, I would say, is still going to be a massive captaincy option for most people this week, this game week, even though it's the toughest game of the season. I still think he'll be one of the highest captained. Don't know how you feel about it. Well, look at Salah, Salah. He always stays in your team. And mm. to be honest, look at... I mean, the statistics don't lie. Trent's the second highest point scorer in the game. Cancelo's the fourth highest point scorer in the game. So, it's hard to... You're not getting these players in, particularly for the, the clean sheets. The clean sheets sometimes for these players just feels like a bonus. Yeah. Um, ridiculous amount of assists for both those lads this season. Bonus points through the roof. Trent's got 32 bonus points this season, so he's literally better in... It's basically you're guaranteed an extra point from him because he's getting at least a point a game just in bonus. Yeah. You've got to keep those lads in your team, I think. And not just because they're 7 million and 8.4 million, respectively, just because you, you know what you can get from them. Yes, Cancelo and Trent had the, the numbers for goals haven't been too high this season, but that potential for assists is just ridiculous. But again, it's just, you mentioned the Salah captaincy. Yes, he's going to be massively captained. One, because he's highly owned, because that's going to happen automatically. But you watched him score a hat-trick against Man United earlier in the season and no one was really expecting that. There's that's nothing it. stopping him from getting a couple. That's it. So let's have a um, discussion about other teams that we like the look of for this game week and the game weeks coming up afterwards. Leicester, they have got a couple of fixtures to... Um, to rearrange in a couple of games in hand. They've got Palace at home in 32, Newcastle and Everton both away in 33, and then Villa at home in 34. They're looking like attractive options again now. I don't know how you feel about them. They've been a funny one all season. I mean, I've swayed away from Barnes at the start of the season. wasn't looking good. I've got Madison in the last couple of weeks, and although I did bench him this week, 
he looked he's, decent he's, still. He's looked good. He got a goal disallowed, which probably should have been disallowed. But if that had went in and stayed, then he would have been getting. He would have been off a thirteen pointer at Man United. So there's there's no harm in getting Madison and Barnes, and you can even look at Ian Atra at the moment as well because he seems to be much higher in the pecking order than Daka. Doesn't look like he's getting in at all. Uh, but just 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 Leicester in general. And Palace, look, they've got Palace at home in 32, but this is a Palace team that are currently beating fourth place Arsenal 2-0 in the first half. So they're nothing to be shirked at. Newcastle aren't looking good at the moment, but we're, we know what they can be capable of. Mm-hmm. Everton will be desperate for points in Villa's Villa. Like, they look good at first glance, but if you actually dive into it, which we are now, those fixtures aren't the best. But you can still make a case for Madison or Barnes and Ian Acho to return in two of those four games. And at that price point, I think it's probably worth thinking about. Yeah, but the double up, would you say that's an option as well for Madison and Barnes? Because it feels like when you pick one of them, the other one always ends up scoring or assisting. I'm in that boat at the moment. Picked Barnes a couple of game weeks ago and Madison's the one that's hitting the ground running at the moment. I think there's a good chance people will look at the double up in free hit 33. Mm. I think a lot of people will be on that free hit option. Um, yeah. I think maybe then I wouldn't be bringing in any, I wouldn't be doubling up on Madison and Barnes with a defensive asset. I do not yeah. like them defensively. I mean, for Fafana, he's dropped to 4.3. He was everyone's darling at the start of the season when he came in the game at 4.5 and people couldn't believe it. But obviously that massive injury and he's just coming back now and he looked good against Man United. An unreal save from De Gea in the second half as well. Yeah. Um, but they just don't look like they're going to keep clean sheets anytime soon, you know. We talk about them being so poor in the air. Palace have got some big fuckers up top. We've got Chris Wood up top. <laughs> you know, you could you could imagine they might let in a few goals just by set pieces. So defensively, no. I think Madison Bonds feels like it's a safe pick because there's a good chance that one of them are returning. But that's the problem. You're taking the punt that one of them are going to return. I'd just doesn't feel as much much excitement when you're at the business end of the season, you know. In a few in a few weeks' time, there's going to be no fantasy football for a good two three months or however long it is. So Madison and Barnes feels a little bit boring to me, but probably sensible to be honest, mate. Yeah, I think that the four options that you've mentioned there: Madison, Barnes, Ian Acho, and then Fafana. If you're really strapped for cash and you need to get someone in, they're really the only ones we would look at at this point. I think one man that would have loved these fixtures at the back end of the season Vardy. Vardy, mate, yeah. yes. It's a shame but... that he's not going to be back for another few weeks and even then, I don't think they're going to rush him back with the amount of knocks he keeps picking up. I think this is the start of the phasing out of Jamie Vardy, is mm. not, mate? We've been talking about it, well, everybody's been talking about it for a few years now and, of course, this has been induced by injury, but... It's catching up with it's... him now. Yeah, well, that's it, mate, aye, that's it. All the vodka and Charlie and I. <laughs> but he, when did he actually start playing professional football? It was really late on, wasn't it? And that's why he's got to this point now where he still usually can play at the top end until, you know, this latter part of this season. That's it, yeah. He didn't put the extreme pressures on his body from a very, very early age. But you can caveat that and say, yes, he was probably playing non-league, but then he was probably on the piss in his early 20s. <laughs> so it, it's not good for your insides as well. So there's two ways of looking at that, I think. Um... We'll move on to a team that is. That we're talking less. about loss. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, sick of fucking day. I fucking hate these as well, you know. I know. A lot of time. <laughs> but they're hard to ignore every week, but I don't know why, because they're shite. That's the thing. 19th. 
if someone uh, didn't know we were Geordies and support Newcastle, I think they would generally think we support Burnley at this point. And now, like advertising their players, would be calling it the Geordies Burnley podcast soon. <laughs> and that, like you say, I hate Burnley, and I'll, I don't know why I've got two of their players in my team, but we move. Two? I thought you had Weggy. Who else you got? Got Tarkovsky in there now, man. Oh, stay. He's still hanging around from doing game week 28. Aye. Fucking hell. It's worrying, like. Right, anyways, we'll move on to their fixtures. And they are tasty, and we'll get drawn in every time, and we're probably going to do the same again. Yep. Here we go. They've got Norwich in 32, which can't be ignored. Let's be honest, anyone against Norwich cannot be ignored. A double in West Ham in Southampton in 33. And Wolves at home in 34. Um, is that a good double or not? It's hard to make of it. It's hard to make of it, isn't it, really? West Ham away, depending on how they get on in Europe, could be an alright fixture. Saints at home. Saints don't look great at the moment. I can't remember the last time that they actually picked up a win, to be honest. So that could be a decent fixture. But... Aye, they're not they're not amazing fixtures, but you can you can fancy them to get a clean sheet in at least one of those, I would say. That's it, yeah, isn't it? And and who are you going for? Clean sheet. I mean, we've got the usual like, suspects in Pope and Tarkovsky, but you've made mention in recent weeks, and to be honest, it's very, very rare that I look at the Burnley backline because <laughs> I don't want to fucking shoot myself in the face. But Roberts, Connor Roberts, I believe, is in the Wales national squad, and he has been in the team a lot since game week 23. Mate, you can slap me with a wet fish because I thought Loughton was still hanging around. <laughs> it's because you had him in your team, wasn't it? <laughs> but uh, he's, he's been an ever present since game week 23. Um, he's 4.4 million. Like we said earlier, if you're strapped for cash, he's another decent option for the future game weeks, and they've got two games in hand as well. I just, I just don't want to see Claret in my team. Except <laughs> you know, I can get rid of Aston Villa as well. I don't want to see any Claret in my team except for Jared Bourne, if I'm honest. Yeah, mate, I'm going to be honest with you. Look at the attackers. You've got Veghorst as well. I mean, he's been everyone's go-to guy. He was mine with the doubles earlier on. He's yours now. <laughs> he's just, he's not, he's not done anything, has he? He's scored one and had one disallowed, I believe. I, I think that's about as far as he's got. So Gets a few other cards though, didn't he? Sure, he's, I he's don't see yellow at all. <laughs> <laughs> Great option, I. <laughs> Triple captain on the yellow cards. But, um, yeah, I, I, despite the doubles, I mean, Corny has just completely fell off line, hasn't he? No one's talking about him anymore. No. You kind of trust the injury. We've talked about Dwight McDeal for years privately, just how he good of a player awful. he is. But he's not looking good, and he's never been an FPL option either. So, I think... Yes, they've got some okay. Norwich, if you want to get a one-week punt in ahead of the free hit in the wild card, which is what I'm looking for coming up, mm. you might want to try and get someone in, but uh, I'm really not sure how it would be. It would probably end up being a boring defensive transfer, and I'm just not about that at the minute. Yeah, I don't see any other attackers that look good from Burnley. Brownhill's normally a one which people have for bench fodder to allow for more premiums, but even then you're clutching at straws, aren't you? Oh, mate, those straws have been well and truly clutched through the career of this podcast, like. The last team that we're going to talk about, Spurs. Super Spurs, eh? Yeah, they've got Villa away in 32, Brighton at home 33, and then Brentford away in 34. And they're off the back of a lot of good results. They're the most informed team after Liverpool. They've scored the most Premier League goals in 2022. 
which they've got 29 so far. And they've got a sea of green fixtures as well. So Spurs are definitely a team I think most people have already looked at, if not looking at now for these future game weeks. Definitely, definitely. And we've talked before, the attackers is blatantly obvious. It's Son and Kane. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a new man in town, Kulazewski. He can definitely provide... But he can provide a great option for anyone who's looking around that price point, possibly coupled up with a Madison or a Barnes if you didn't want to go with that. Yeah. Um, definitely wouldn't be putting anyone up Kulazewski if you can't quite get to the Son or Kane. Son's obviously the third highest point scorer in FPL now, especially after that 12-point out on the weekend against our mob. Mm. But yeah, you've got to be looking at getting one of those in now, if not two. And to be honest, if you went Son and Kane, Kulazewski and Son, or Kulazewski and Kane, and I looked at your team, I would be just as frightened as each other. Yeah. So I don't think there's it would be a bad choice to maybe save those pennies and go for Kulazewski instead of one of those two. They're all getting started. They're all getting the minutes. They obviously haven't got any doubles in the next three, so you can't imagine there'd be any rotation. Obviously, they're not in Europe at the moment either. Um, definitely wouldn't put you getting up. I think the, those players will be probably some of the highest transferred in this week, I'd imagine, actually. Definitely. Let's put our minds back to February, Dan, when we said on the podcast that Spurs have probably had the worst transfer window. What do we think of that now? Because Ben Tonker is looking really good, albeit not an FPL option at all, but he's looked very good in centre mid. And as you've just mentioned, Kulisevsky, since he's came in, he's nailed now. He's got that right wing position nailed. So, would we be changing that now and saying they've had one of the better transfer windows? You forgot about that new signing, um, Matt Doherty, I think they call him. <laughs> I think he's a, he's a new man. Yes. But, uh, no, no, Colors actually, he looks great. 21 years old as well. He looks about 35. <laughs> he's had a hard paper around, I think. But yeah, he's looking yeah. great. Ben Tanker, he just bosses it in the middle with Heiberg as well. A lot of Spurs fans I see on my Twitter are asking for Oliver Skip because something yes. to do with their their win percentage is that. really good with Skip in it. I don't know how you can be asking those sort of questions. I mean, yes, he's homegrown and you know you want to see one of your lads in, but you've got Kane up top, lads. I mean, is that not enough? And it, I think Ben Tanker is great. I mean, I'd seen a little article on him in, back in January and he's talking about how he's like a real... He studies the game and when he's if he doesn't get picked for his national team he goes to like random mad countries and speaks to really? random mad managers <laughs> in I think he's one of those who will timestamp this now, fourth of April twenty twenty two. I guarantee you he's a manager when he finished retiring football. I tell you now. Sounds sounds like it if he does stuff like that, if he looks at yeah. the tactical side of the game and everything. Well, that's it, yeah. Um defenders, obviously you've got Doherty at the minute. People are if you want to go for Diane Romero as well for some just just for confirmation of a of a game time, then go there. Um, Doty looks pretty nailed as well. Reggion owners will be a little bit disheartened. I didn't see any news about him missing this game, but I can I'm not imagine... disheartened at all. Like I've got no, Doty no, coming yeah, in no. for him. <laughs> but you know, for those who aren't as lucky as you, having the Irish the Irish cafe there. Um, but yeah, I think Doty looks like the only option there if you're looking for the wing back. Emerson Royal could probably nip in and out. I wouldn't be surprised if. Maybe he's trying Lucas Moore out right wing back at some mm. point because I don't think Conte is. It looks like if there's the four in the pecking order, you're looking at Reggion, Doggerty, Sessegnon and Emerson Royale. I think Emerson Royale looks like he's at the bottom of that pecking order. So as soon as he gets Sessegnon and Reggion back, then it looks like he'll drop out. So he's not an option. Yeah, Doherty, if you're looking at the back, I wouldn't put anyone off it. And uh, he's looking back to his Wolves days, mate. 
Since we're talking about Spurs, let's have a little mention of the match yesterday with Newcastle. What happened we there? We fell apart in the second half. You know, as I was at work, mate, so I was listening on the radio and I turned off at about 53 minutes and I just put the notifications on in. I'm not even going to lie, once it got past three and I got the notifications for four and five, I was hoping it was Harry Kane because <laughs> I captained him. But it wasn't a B and 5-1. Are we back to a normal? Does normal business resume up Tyneside? Yeah, it was a game of two halves though, wasn't it? Because in the first half, it looked like we were executing the plan perfectly. Had a deep line. They couldn't find their way through any gaps in the defence um, and scored a half-decent free kick through Shaw. But in that second half, they just allowed Kane to pick it up in the middle, play the ball through for Son and Kulisevsky time after time after time again. And then later on, when we're a couple down, we end up moving Shelby to, to centre-back and playing five at the back, which oh. didn't make much sense Was that sense not Lascelles? came on, didn't he? He did after we conceded another goal. Yeah, we put Lascelles in, as back to centre-back, but... For about 10-15 minutes, we had Shelby as the, the centre-back centre of the back five. Fucking hell. See, this is all news to me. Obviously, as I say, I was at work and I turned the radio off, so I was just seeing the scores, to be honest. Um, the gaps were just getting yeah. bigger and bigger. Do you know what I mean? And that's when Kane thrives, isn't he? He's picking passes from everywhere. Well, that's what he's brilliant at, mate. And I remember when he's not scoring <laughs> when he's not scoring goals, everyone brings his heat map up. It's because it's he's playing too defensive. But all those people soon shut up when he's getting assists and goals off the park. I mean, he's got 12 this season. And man, his first one was against us in the return fixture, wasn't it? It was, aye. And he could have so... he, he had about four assists yesterday. The amount of times he played it through and they missed a one-on-one, like Son missed an easy one-on-one. Like, he could have ended up with a... A decent score, especially for you as captain as well. Yeah, it sounds crazy to say, but him and De Bruyne are probably the best passers in the league, and it's not something you usually associate with a such a blatant number nine, but he really is spot on. No, He's to stop taking free kicks, so that's a problem. I totally agree with you. They were, they were even saying on Monday Night Football at the start, they were discussing like what players have been like him, and Rooney's the only real one that he can compare to him because obviously he used to drop deep in his day at years at Man United, not even late in his career, but even earlier on in his career. And you, you know he got a lot of assists, but yeah, he's he's one of the best at doing what he does. Yes, he is, and that's why it's going to be very very exciting to see him in the World Cup. Because can he draw as well? Maybe we might as well have a quick chat about that. Nice draw. Yes, it is a nice draw. But I was flabbergasted when I seen that the average ranking. Obviously, the world uh, world rankings for international football. We've got the the lowest average ranking in terms of like we've got the strongest teams apparently. If you're looking at it from a ranking system. Oh, like at like potty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So when you compare all the groups, the average ranking ours is the the lowest. So it's it's the that like the best average ranking compared to the other groups. Oh right, okay, I see what you mean. Oh so, wow, I wouldn't have expected that. That's it. So if you look at face value, you look at them teams, you think, oh, it's an easy group. But I'm sure Iran and USA are, are ranked quite quite low. So in terms of like they're it, like twentieth or something. Because it, it it'll be because it works on the same points total. Whereas we get the same amount of points for beating San Marino in a European qualifier as they'll get for playing their teams and obviously they are better in their continent because it's a poor continent to play in so I can imagine I can I can understand why that they're gaining quite a lot of points in the FIFA rankings to be honest yeah definitely but it does look like a um a group we can finish first in hopefully we'll get to play Scotland or Wales in the last game as well because that's always a nice one to have a bit of a derby game isn't it Definitely, definitely. And another thing it's nice to finish first in, mate, and that is FPL. So we'll go back <laughs> on to the upcoming game week. How is your team looking? 
so my team at the moment is looking all right, I would say, um, before any transfers have actually been made. Got Ramsdale and Nett, Trent, Cancelo, Tarkovsky at the back, Barnes, Son, Salah, Saka, Bowen in midfield, and then Watkins and Weghorst up top. And then I've got Doherty, Region and Broya on the bench with Sanchez as well. So not looking too bad. Um, how's your team looking, Dan? Yeah, mine's not looking bad. Saw so and goal against Newcastle. I'm playing both Cancelo and Trent, as we've mentioned before. Rudiger and White. And then I've got Salah, Saka, Madison and Bowen. And at the moment, I've got Richarlison in the team. I think he may stay there, to be honest with you. And I've got Kane. Um, Captaincy's currently on Kane. Mm. Where are you looking at the moment? I've got mine on Saka right now. I just Very think... Interesting. I just think... Arsenal potentially going to be off the back of a defeat here against Crystal Palace. They're playing Brighton at home, who look really poor. They're not going to score goals, so you should have that clean sheet point banked as well. Um, but yeah, Saka or Son really for me. So yeah, I'll say close that time. Not tempted by Bowen. I'm not tempted by Bowen. Not after seeing Brentford's thrash Chelsea Fucking on the weekend. Hell. Unbelievable result for them. Yeah. Ericsson's looking amazing. Know- they are, mate, but you know what is they deserved it because if you cast your mind back to very, very early mm. on in the season and there was that end of the game flurry of about 15 minutes where Brentford absolutely battered Chelsea and I think Mendy made about eight saves in yes. the last 15 minutes. So it was deserved. Long time coming, but it was deserved. Um, transfer plans, I haven't really got anything in mind at the moment. Of course, we're talking about free hitting in 33 and wild card in 34 or 35. So this is a one-week punt, but... Yep. As we've talked about the teams that have got decent fixtures, there's not anything massively that jumps out to us. It could even there's be not. something like Dinier to Doherty or something like that, but I don't really want to go down that road. I'm not sure what I want to do yet. And to be honest, I can't imagine whatever transfer I do is going to make such a massive swing on what I've already got. So I'm not concerned about it at the moment. Definitely no minus points being taken, though. Definitely. I'm not going to be taking any uh, hits this week. Uh, transfer options we're really limited I do want to go for like a massive differential for a one week punt but I could end up just being a little boring transfer bringing Ben White or someone like that in to be honest I literally can't work out anyone else that I'd want in the team um, bar some of the Welshford boys yeah yeah no understandable understandable um, Stephen we put out a tweet which was very 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 late for us and obviously we're not a huge account so we didn't get much feedback on it but we'll still go with what we got uh, of course we tweeted out for the what to do with section where we ask the community which players they're stuck on or not sure what to do with or maybe thinking about getting into the squad ahead of the last few games Um, one response and that was from our good friend Stephen Carson at underscore Carson 18 he asks a couple of questions in there, keeps it interesting, and he asks about Rafinha. Now, me personally, I am not very clued up on how he's been playing or even what fixtures he's got coming up, if I'm perfectly honest with you. So I'll let you run with this one. Yeah, he's got a blank in game week 33. Uh, game week 32, he's got Watford away, and then he's got Palace away in 34. So I think he is a hold for this game week with them playing um, Watford. But for game week 33, I think you've got to look at one of the, the Leicester boys. So I'd bring in either Madison or Barnes for him. Yeah, yeah. Because he also caveats that and asks about the triple up on Leicester. Now, we've sort of discussed with maybe double 
with the midfield, or maybe he's even combine a midfielder and Ianacho. Mm. But because we're so far swaying away from the defensive assets, I don't think it's a good option to recommend Barnes, Madison, and Ianacho. So I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, if you were looking at a triple, you'd probably have to go Schmeichel off for Fauna for the last one, but I think a triple is too much. I think the double up is the most you would go with Leicester. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, I. Right then, we'll move on to this last one, and because there will be a lot of people on a free hit or a wild card in 33, we'll let you know our punt of the week because we'll be making a punt this week. Um. You set the rules for this one and you said that the player that we recommend for a punt has to be less than 10% owned. Steven, yes. who have you went for? I went for Ismail Saw. 5.7 million. He's only 2.7% owned at the moment and that's probably due to having them in dead teams because he's not played in a little while. Um, but they have Leeds at home. He played his first 90 minutes since game week 27 against Liverpool on Saturday. He looked very lively. I think he's a tasty option. And if my midfield fixtures weren't looking so good, I would definitely be looking at bringing him in this week. And, and he's, although he, as you mentioned, he played 90 minutes, he's still, is he not still a bit of a rotation risk? Obviously, you've got uh, Kucho, unbelievably, who's been doing all right in there. Dennis is an ever-present. you got King, Jao Pedro hanging around there. For a punt, I would be looking at someone who's a little bit more nailed, but I can 100% see where you're coming from. The ceiling is high if he was to play the full game. It's a fair point, looking at someone more nailed, but for him to play 90 minutes straight away on his first game back surely tells us that Hodgson likes him. But to be fair, Kucho's another one I was thinking of. Uh, he would be a good one-week punt. Yeah, he's actually getting the goals for them at the moment as well. And Dennis and King were on the bench on the weekend. So what does that tell you? Yes, yes, it's very, uh, very interesting. But I think we've had enough problems with our Watford assets <laughs> over this season, not to even look there again. Well, I certainly have. I couldn't look at um, King. I definitely couldn't look at King. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, my little Yours. punt, and it's probably a little less of a punty because he's slightly higher owned. He's eight point six percent owned, and at eight point four million, it's Lacazette. Um, of course, they're still playing tonight, so. Could well be an injury tonight, but obviously we've discussed how poor Brighton have been. They look bereft of confidence at the moment. And before the clean sheet at the weekend, which was of course against a struggling Norwich team, they conceded at least two in the last six games. I think that says a lot about missing that big man Dan Byrne at the back. But definitely, it's a business end of the season for Arsenal. And if they lose tonight, which is looking likely at half time, sitting there two 0 down. I expect a bigger performance on the weekend in Lacazette is someone that can bring that. Of course, you would be thinking about your Saka, but he's over 10% owned, so I couldn't go there. You just don't know who's going to be playing between Smithrow and Martinelli now, because I would have thought it was a sure thing for Martinelli to play this game, but Smithrow has started, so I would be swaying away from those two, although they would be good options if you could pick the right one. Yeah. Um, I quite like the I quite like the look of Lacazette going into this season. It's just that price point that we've discussed time and time again. It's hard to get to when it's hard to get away from. So if you're if you're in around that price and you can do it, then go for it. I think if you're just looking for that one week, but don't break your team to get them in. Definitely, and Brighton is a team that you're going to target at the moment. Whenever someone's playing Brighton, you're going to get them in just based on how they're playing. Their form is rock bottom, and they couldn't even beat Norwich on the weekend. So. 
Yeah, that's not good, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Martinelli's just come on as well, as just as you mentioned it. So there's a bit of the hokey cokey again. For Smith Rowe, by any chance? No, it looks like Smith Rowe is still on. Oh, interesting. Well, I'm sure all the listeners can have a little read up on that once they've listened to the podcast. But we've rambled on for about three quarters of an hour, mate. So I think it's time just to say good luck for the game week, everyone. Yeah, good luck for the game week. If you can reply next time to the what to do with. So we'll have a few more things to talk about would be nice. But yeah, best of luck for the for the rest of the season. Yes, best of luck. And we will catch you around about the same time next week. See you later, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.